Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at AOC, we may not have all the answers, but certainly we have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions, as always, come from you. Jason, what's up first? Hi, Jordan. I'm a young female moving to a new city. To afford the high rent, I want to live with roommates. I found a really nice place with reasonable rent on Craigslist. After contacting the person, I found my five potential roommates are all guys ranging from five to 20 years older than I am. (laughs) I don't particularly feel uncomfortable with it, but am I asking for trouble? Is this just something anyone moving to a new city might fall into? Is Craigslist an okay way to meet housemates? Love listening to your show. I always leave feeling I can conquer the day with more precision than the one before. Signed, paranoid or practical? Two words, shower shoes. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) look... This is tricky because the likelihood is that it's fine, right? But the downside is the risk of a negative. While the probability might be small, the negative could be really negative. You know what I mean? And I'll get into that in a second. But really, the first thing that comes to mind is guys are dirty. I hope you'll have your own bathroom. You know, it's ugh. It's the upside is guys are fun. They're easygoing, but they're often, often but not always, less drama than a house full of women or mixed women men. Which I guess you're changing that balance up. And again, this is my experience. Uh, definitely not always, but my experience is, you know, goes back to college. So that might have to do with age as well. I'm not saying a house full of adult females is going to be dramatic. I really don't know. Um, I think guys can be just as bad, but. I just, I feel like you, you may have to keep in mind that being a female in an all-guy house is going to add that element in there. But did I say guys were dirty? Look, man, I take a little bit of umbrage with that statement. Look, I've known just as many women who are just as nasty and filthy as dudes. You know, the dirty thing crosses the gender gap. I'm, I'm sorry, but it does. Look at any woman's laptop or car, and the odds are in my favor that it's going to be just nasty. <laughs> Come on. I mean, the, the fact is, yes, age and relationship status. Young people are almost all nasty, just nasty, nasty. And single people are twice as much because they don't have anybody to impress. Right. But and as you get older, I think, you know, most people get that on lockdown. But since the roommates are older, it might just not be an issue. That's all I'm saying. All right. Okay, look, these are stereotypes, of course, but I've lived with both men and women and been to countless houses full of men and women and mixes of both. And I've seen this with my own eyes a lot. Remember, I was at university for seven years. So if you have any personal connection to any of the guys already, that's a great way to vet. But bear in mind that a single female moving into a house full of guys will immediately, you will immediately be seen as a romantic prospect by somebody One of the attraction factors, one of these attraction switches that we talk about on the show, or at least in the past, is accessibility. That means that we as men find women who we are more likely to get, quote unquote, as more attractive. So this works whenever we have access, whether that's proximity or whether one seems more interested in us when we're out talking with a group of people. This factor will ratchet way up once you move into a house full of guys. So you need to get that in front of everybody, you need to handle that ASAP. If you have a boyfriend, this will help, but it won't necessarily fix the problem. I assume you're young and not married, or you'd be living with your husband most likely. Another way to disqualify yourself, because that's what you got to do, you got to disqualify yourself for a relationship here. Make it very clear, privately, and at the first hint of anything uncomfortable, that you're just not interested in getting involved with your roommates. Do it privately to spare their ego so that he doesn't have to defend his ego by being a jerk to you for the rest of the years that you live together. But be clear enough that there's no room for his foot in the door. And it's it's just 
there can be messes here if the guy doesn't take the hint. The fact that this stuff, though, is even a consideration should give you some pause, but it doesn't have to be a deal breaker. Again, you'll most likely be fine. The chances are much higher that you'll end up with a band of adopted brothers than a problem, especially as some of the guys can keep one another in check. That said, if you feel any sketchiness whatsoever, get out of there right away, and I mean immediately. She also doesn't state that if the guys are uh, straight or gay. So if, oh, it's, yeah, a, if it's a house full of gay guys, you just might be in the butter zone. Yeah, yeah, you never know. How's that for a bunch of stereotypes in one answer? But generally <laughs> speaking, I feel like that that's this is the advice I would give my own sister on this situation. Next up, quickly, before I forget, that poem I read a couple weeks ago, The Man in the Glass, that was not written by a death row inmate. That was a mistake. Somebody sent that to me and said that it was. I should have definitely checked the author. Uh, there's The author in the website was wrong. I didn't fact check my fact check website because I did Google it, but I came up with the wrong answer. Sorry for that. So th- this is a uh, hat tip to Jeff McAllister at the one hatter on Twitter for pointing that out. It's actually actually by Peter Wimbrose Sr., The Guy in the Glass, 1934. The poem has also become known incorrectly as The Man in the Glass, which actually seems like it should have been the name, or sometimes The Man in the Mirror. But the thought is the same. The message is clear. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years. But you can't fool the guy staring back from the glass. Theguyintheglass.com is the website here. Yeah, and, you know, Jordan, don't feel bad about this because we all actually Googled this. Bob, show notes Bob, did it. I did it. We all came back with the same thing because it was misattributed to the the wrong person. And if you want another misattribution that drives me crazy, you're going to love this one, Jordan. It's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I hate that one. That is not the definition of insanity. That doesn't make any sense. Do you know what you want to know what the definition of insanity is? The state of being seriously mentally ill. That's what the definition of insanity is. And it's mostly usually attributed at least to Einstein. But here it is. I'm going to drop some knowledge here. The earliest attribution of the quote is found in the Narcotics Anonymous basic text that was uh, released in uh, November 1981. The original quote is, insanity is repeating the same mistakes and expecting different results, which is perfect for a Narco Anonymous text, I believe. Yeah. Not so much for Albert Einstein, who never heard of that in the first place. Exactly. So don't beat yourself up about the misattribution, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, everybody on Instagram that has those pithy quotes, they have to go out and like change all their attribution because they have no excuse now if they're listening to Fan Mail Friday. Nobody wants to be like... Motivational quote of the week, Narcotics Anonymous. I'd rather say (laughs) Einstein. I guarantee you that's one of the reasons this gets misattributed is because people don't want to put something like that in there because there's a little bit of guilt by association. So they're like, "Ah, Mark Twain said it. Eh, Yeah, yeah, here's my Narco Anonymous thing. No, no, no. I I haven't been chasing the dragon. No, no, no. No, not at all. (laughs) My friend sent it. Yeah, I know Um, a guy who knows a guy. Exactly. Exactly. Also, I just got back from Sweden where tipping culture is mostly non-existent, and at most it's like 10% in the case of exceptional service. There's an interesting little tidbit on things that increase tips here in the United States for those in the industry or people just interested in how the psychology of tipping might be used on them when they go out for a meal or a drink. So here's some tips on getting tips. Over the last 30 years, researchers have run dozens of experiments testing the impact that various factors have on diners' tipping habits. These randomized studies compare, quote-unquote, normal waiting service, no razzle-dazzle, to a variety of special actions. Among the findings, 
Tips go up 3% when a waiter serves a customer a wrapped chocolate, right? So a little cheapo candy that the restaurant supplies will raise your tips, or you can just bring your own to work, maybe. Tips go up 2% when a waiter writes thank you on a check. That's so random, I would not have guessed that. Tips go up 4% when a waiter includes a weather forecast, like tomorrow's looking to be a sunny day on the back of the check. I don't think I would even notice that. I've never heard of that. That's incredible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and tips go up 8%. Here we go. This is now we're getting real money here. When a waiter introduces himself to the table by his first name, and tips go up 5% when a waiter touches a diner's hand. Dang. This only works. Oh, this only works with female servers, apparently. Duh. (laughs) Of course. So when it looks like the waitress is coming on to you, your tip goes up by 5%. Not worth it. If you want to get followed out to your car, but get 5% more, (laughs) then try this. In other words, personal touches pay off. People want to feel like they're getting a highly personal experience when they're buying something, whether it's food, a new car, or a Guy Fieri bobblehead. And they're willing to put a premium on it. Studies have shown that consumers pay more for personalized products and services. Personalized e-commerce sites, are, of course, are on the rise. And as high as 30% of consumers report desiring a custom experience or customized material goods. So remember, tipping isn't just good manners. It's good social dynamics. And now you know how to work the system a little bit. It's so funny. My dad gets so mad when the waiter or waitress does not introduce themselves by their first name. Really? Yeah, he gets angry because he just he sees himself as a commodity. Then he wants a connection with the person that's bringing him the food. It's crazy. I mean, you know, it's a different generation, but he really gets angry about it. I feel like that's overthinking it, but I guess yeah, he's older than me by a lot. So there you go. Over the last seventeen years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, next up. Hey, Jordan and Jason. Happy Friday. I'm dying to hear your opinion on the Cowspiracy movie that you recommended for the fifth Art of Charm challenge. I started the movie thinking, please don't let this all be true. But after finishing it, I realized I had totally been sucked in by the producer's opinions and have been seriously thinking about going vegan. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've always been kind of on the fence about eating meat anyway and still don't really know how I feel about it. I felt the same way about the organic craze and have gone back and forth several times. Even after doing a ton of research on the subject, I still don't know what to believe. I did some research about the Cowspiracy movie and realized there's a lot of controversy, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. It seems like the health industry has a ton of this in general, and unless I become a professional health specialist or agricultural scientist, it's all going to come down to who I trust. I've come to really trust the opinion of yourself and your colleagues, and I would like to know how you feel about this topic and if you have any recommendations when it comes to reliable resources. I greatly appreciate what you guys do with The Art of Charm, and I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Skeptical Sam. Look, I'm all for a healthy diet, and I'm not going to, I don't want to touch the nutrition stuff, but the reason we assign that movie is it's totally one-sided, and a lot of the claims are exaggerated or even fabricated, as far as I understand. So we include that movie, Cowspiracy, in the AOC Challenge as a critical thinking exercise that's definitely not an endorsement. And if you haven't seen it, you can check it out, but just keep your head on straight and Google and research counter-arguments. That was actually the point of that element of the challenge. Uh, it's in the AOC Challenge, of course, along with some critical thinking drills and exercises, and you can find that at theartofcharm.com slash challenge, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But uh, there's a lot of information about organic foods and dieting and things like that, pros and cons. I just don't want to get into that at all. But I don't want people to think, oh, I'm watching movies like Cowspiracy, which are completely one-sided advertisements for certain types of uh, diets and and just swallowing it whole. (laughs) No pun intended. No pun intended, yeah. (laughs) And hey, Sam, if you haven't seen it, I recommend Penn & Teller's Bullshit, Season 7, Episode 6 on Organic Foods. I suspect someone as skeptical as Skeptical Sam probably you probably have this in your library, but it's one of my favorite shows and it totally still holds up, uh, especially the vaccination episode. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. I remember rewatching every episode of Penn and Teller's bullshit in law school because I think that came out probably in high school or something like that. Oh, God, you're so young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were like I was like in my 30s when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. You were like my age. <laughs> yeah. I was in high school. All right. Next up. Jordan. 
Started to listen to your show very recently and had a very interesting altercation today. I wanted to write you to see if you had or ever thought about doing a podcast on the issue of sexism. It's a very controversial topic, and as a male, it seems as if no matter what you, whether it be give women the benefit of the doubt or no benefits whatsoever, that you are inherently being sexist, especially as a male. I also believe that when it comes to sexism, there is this reverse sexism that actually goes against males, but we never bring up the issue because the females always get the benefit of the doubt due to our history. It's a very controversial topic, and I think and think you would do a great job explaining the whole issue. Hope this email finds you well. Sincerely, the sexist? <laughs> nice. The question mark on the end. I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, that's what that reminds me of. Look, I'm open to doing an episode on this. I need to find if there's an expert with a balanced view on this, though. I love to talk to someone who isn't on one of the political extremes where they say batshit crazy things like, you know, everything is rape because Western society is inherently oppressive. I've actually heard that. I'm not making that up. Or on the other side of the coin, some of these like men's rights activist guys who are like, oh, rape should be legal because, you know, insert some crazy right wing theory in here invented by sexually frustrated guys. If we can find the right person, I'd be all over this. But it's got to be somebody who is, you know, entertaining enough for the show, but also not on some sort of crazy extreme here and can articulate this well for our demographic. Send your recommendations to Jordan at the That's right. Next up. Hi, Jordan. I'm reaching out to you because I started listening to your podcast about three months ago and have gained an interest in thinking differently. I'm in middle management at my company, and I'm trying to present the idea of a podcast to our marketing department and management. I want to do a monthly podcast about news and information in my industry. There aren't any podcasts that I've seen like this, although I'm sure there are, but I just haven't found them. Dig a little deeper there, bud. Yep. I have three questions. First question. What's the average age of your listening audience? Second, what's the average income of your listening audience? And third, this I feel is the most important. How have your relationships grown and increased because of your podcast? Relationships are very important to my company, and I think that even if my podcast is not revenue producing in the beginning, it will be beneficial to our relationships. Like I said, I really appreciate your insight on things and the way you think about things differently. Any tips on starting to sell a podcast to management would be very helpful. Thank you very much. Pete, the possible podcaster. Yeah, so I normally don't open the kimono up on this too much just because I feel like it doesn't really matter to everybody, but I'll 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 bite on this one. The average age of the AOC audience is late 20s, early 30s, which is maybe a little bit older than a lot of older people think and a little bit younger than I think a lot of the younger people think. Um, a lot of people say, I'm not your typical demographic, and then they tell me that they're exactly, exactly in the typical demographic. Typical, yeah. yeah, we get that letter every single day. The average income of the listening audience, though, is 50 to 150 grand. I know that's a huge range, but it's actually well over the national average. And uh, so AOC audience members are more educated than average by quite a bit and more affluent than average by quite a bit. And if you're not, then that's fine. Congratulations. You're... Uh, you're thinking like somebody who's more educated and doing, uh, making more dough. And you're, on your, and you're on your way to get there, which is yeah, the most important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, the how have my relationships grown and increased because of the podcast? <laughs> I met my wife through this. Well, you got I a have, month? <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of my friends are through this almost. I mean, not not every single one, but man, this has defined my life. I can't under, I cannot overstate 
the effect that this has had on my relationships. But I'm also doing this professionally, so I can't say that the same thing will happen for you. But this has been the biggest, the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, the strongest lever I've ever created. And it's a ton of fun. And it's fun, yeah. So, but you gotta, you you should only do a show if you don't care if anybody ever listens, because truth be told, most most podcasts nobody ever listens, literally no one. No. One. So you have to just think it's fun doing it. So if relationships are very important to your company, yeah, I mean, you can definitely bring in some new relationships. You will not, don't expect to earn a cent in revenue. By the time you're earning revenue through your podcast, it's not for your company anymore. I mean, it's it, you have to have just tons of people engaging with this in order to make revenue. It's better to just not try to make money with it at all. Uh, I'm not going to give you tips on how to sell it to management. I'm just going to let you decide based on your research whether this is going to be good, but yeah, I think it's a great way. I mean, look, if they want to do a blog, then you can do a podcast. It's essentially an audio blog where you do interviews and, and that turn into essentially articles, and you can repurpose the audio into articles for the company website as well. It's not going to cost that much money. So go for it. If you think it's fun, keep doing it. It's definitely not going to be ROI positive in terms of cash. So if you're doing it for relationships, I think you're probably well on your way and you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if you're going to try and sell it to management, I, w- I will throw out a tip. Do it. Do a couple test episodes, play it for them, see if they like it, and get feedback and iterate on it. If they like it and think that it's something that it's worth doing, then keep doing it with their you know their blessing. But if not, then just move on and go back to the blogging. Yeah, you're not going to have any sort of documentable ROI in, in terms of cash. It's That's not going to happen. Documentary of the week, Icarus. Jason, you saw this too, right? Oh my God. I, it was not what I thought it was going to be by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's one of those where it, it, the, you can tell the filmmaker was surprised by how it shook out too. Yeah, he started one He started one movie and ended up with something completely different. Yeah, which I think is good for him because honestly, his original idea was not that compelling. It was pretty, it, yeah, the original idea was pretty boring. I'm like, seriously, this is what I got to yeah. watch? I'm like, Jordan, okay. you recommended this? And then by the yeah. end, I was just like, I'm texting you. I'm like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Yeah, basically it's what? It's this guy decides, he's a cyclist and he's like, I'm going to do doping and show how it works. I'm just going to publicly dope with the help of a doctor and, and film see if it. I can, and, yeah, and see if I can beat the tests and is it going to make me a better cyclist? Yeah. And then it's like dot, 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 Vladimir Putin and the whole Russian (laughs) Olympic team and this huge takedown of the entire Russian athletic squad for for the Rio Olympics and it's yeah. you know international news and it's like what the hell and I I was watching this and I kind of was like eh, okay whatever I'm playing some stupid zombie game on my yeah. iPad right and then I and then I snap out of it and I'm like wait what this person got murdered like wait a minute hold on back up five minutes I missed exactly. something exactly yeah it it totally changes timber about like twenty minutes into it and you're just like oh oh what 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 and yeah. It's like, you know, it starts out literally with a guy riding a bike and then it gets into political intrigue, assassination and the Russians ending up getting kicked out of the Olympics because this guy wanted to, you know, check some doping stuff. It's just like, wow, talk about crazy story. Exactly. Icarus is the name. It's available on Netflix. We'll link to it in the show notes, of course. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous, and you can either make up your own funny name or we can do it. If you got feedback for the show, we are fans of strong opinions loosely held. 
love to argue like we're right, but also we listen like we're wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. And if you've got your own advice for some of the people you've heard from today, let me know. If it's something that can help everyone, I may read it on the show. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF. One three zero. Shout out to Colin and Runa Ludhart and AOC sister Lita over in Sweden. We had lunch while we were over there. Great to meet AOC fans all the way in Sweden. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up. We will shout you out. I'd love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. Jason, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can check out my other podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Go to GOG.show for how to subscribe. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. We mentioned it earlier with the whole cowspiracy thing. Text AOC to 38470. That's 38470. You just text the word AOC to that number. Or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We take you step-by-step, becoming better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital, your charisma. It's for both guys and gals. It's free. That's the whole idea. It's about forward momentum theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text AOC to 38470. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week here in LA. If you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, that's theartofcharm.com slash boot camp. We just had a whole class full of green berets. That was really fun. We got some intelligence agents coming in soon. Can't tell you when though. And we accept cryptocurrency, something I've recently become quite obsessed with. So stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.